This is uh, Richie Wexler from Vintage Animals Archive Outsider Podcast. I'm super happy today. This is our year, our 52nd episode, our year anniversary. Um, sometimes I do mention that I'm very tired when I do these because usually it's after a week of work or editing for 15 hours. Um, anyway, I'm really excited, man. I, I have no clue how I was able to do this, how other people got involved, were able to help me and, and get all this stuff done. It's all kind of a dream, and also a bit of a... Uh, I don't remember a lot of it. Um, just, you know, you just do this thing. You just keep going and keep going and keep going. So, here we stand. Uh, 52nd episode into it. Uh, I gotta thank Otter Castro, who's my recent uh, researcher, editor, extraordinaire, knows all the stuff. He's been making it really easy for me to get this shit done. So, thanks. Um... This episode is a, is a special one for, for today. Uh, this is, goes out on September 24th. It is uh, my birthday. It is Jim Henson's birthday. And we talked to Gene Beretta, who uh, has known of or has been connected with the Muppets since birth. Um, I don't want to say too much. His brother is uh, Billy Beretta, one of the bigger Muppet performers over the last 20, 30 years. Um <clears throat> He just, you know, grew up on all that stuff. Gene used to work with Brian at, at Sesame Place. There's a good story in there. He worked with Brian and his brother. There's some just really great stories in here. And uh, it's a pleasure, again, to have Gene as someone to be celebrating Jim Henson's birthday. We started this last year, did a big Jim Henson event. And uh, one of those days, we'll be able to edit the 18 hours of audio I have for that. But not quite yet. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> you're getting jeans. It's really good. It's all compact. Uh, enjoy. Yeah, if you're a Muppet lover, you will love this one. And if you get a chance uh, when you're done with this one, check out the one we did last year with um, Paul Williams, who is you know uh, much more connected with the Muppets. Not better, just different, more connected. Uh, and yeah, so enjoy. Yeah, enjoy this. And and, to, and season two, man. Here we go. I don't know what's gonna happen, but we got a lot really cool stuff planned. So thank you. We have Gene Barata here. Um, Gene has worked with and around peripherally with the Muppets for many years. Peripheral his brother's, Gene. Peripheral Gene, his brother is Bill Barata, who is less peripheral and does Pepe, who I, you know, in terms of my love for the Muppets, the bulk of it, like, you know, I love the stuff that I saw when I was a kid, but the one character that I grow in love for in the so-called, like, new Muppets was Pepe. I, I love Pepe. I, I like him too, okay? I did, uh, I was a puppeteer maybe 12 years ago for a while. It was sad. I did some, I, did, I literally did some, some puppet shows in bars while drinking. It was not a good look. <laughs> It was yeah, very painful. Perfect schooling for puppetry. <laughs> I don't know. One question I have before we start: Were those guys on painkillers? Did they work out eight hours a day? How did they hold their arm up for that long? <laughs> I did a puppet show uh, in my neighborhood, and it had a guitar in it. It was so heavy, my hand wouldn't open and close. I had to bounce my hand up and down because my hand would no longer open and close. 
Yeah, it's hard. They know how to balance it so that the arm is kind of hovering straight over their shoulder so that it's all the weight is their body is holding up the weight of the arm, if you know okay. what I mean. You know, it's straight up. It's not leaning forward so, so that the puppet the weight of the puppet is pressing on their shoulders. But Billy actually Billy had shoulder surgery. Um which actually wasn't fully from puppeteering, but um but it can take its toll. And that's but they what know I, how yeah. to keep it like almost s s straight up with all the weight on the shoulder joint, um, so that all the all the weight of it's going right there to hold things up. But it's still I've seen I I was in California for an episode of Muppets Tonight where they had Penn and Teller on, and Bobo Muppets was Tonight doing was the like the that was nineties. Yeah, mid '90s it came okay. out. I think '96 maybe. Yeah, I guess it was '96. Huh? It's hosted by the what I call the Rastafarian Muppet. <laughs> Why am I blanking on his name? Clifford. But Bobo was showing Penn and Teller a card trick, and as as I'm watching them shoot it, all of a sudden Bobo starts to shiver and then just drops because he was so heavy. This was before they had built a brace for Bobo. So that Billy could have braces on his shoulders to so hold up Bo the weight. So who is Bobo puppet. exactly? Just to give some context. Bobo's this huge bear character that started with the. I think he started with Muppets Tonight. Was I he the one that was in Muppets in Space? He yep. was like the sidekick to the yes, Jeffrey yes. Tambor. Yeah, exactly. Okay, very good. Another character I really like. Um, but he just his arm had had enough and just gave out, which happens occasionally. <laughs> yeah. I had a friend who used to work, he, wore, he was like a, a costume makeup person who worked for the Muppets. Mm -hmm. And one of her jobs was stapling Kermit's hand to a sign. To and a she, sign? To a oh. sign, and she felt really bad about it. <laughs> Cruelty to animals. Yeah. Flippers. Your career with the Muppets, to me, is, is a huge thing. Again, I know you seem more tangential, but I think that's also probably because you're humble. And I feel like every Muppet mm. performer is humble. Every Muppet, everyone you hear about, they're always like, ah, I didn't do that much. Well, so, I didn't. I mean, compared to everybody else working, I'm not, you know, I am peripheral. I've done, but you've I've been, done certain work, but I, I sometimes feel kind of awkward talking about some of these things that I really didn't have a, a hand in. I was I mean, just you kind didn't, of witnessing. You didn't build Kermit, but you... Oh, that's, were, that I did do. <laughs> you did build Kermit. The original yeah, Kermit? Otherwise, yeah. I built him, but I, then I just threw him away. I thought it was crap. And Jim <laughs> pulled it out of the trash can and took off with it. Um, but, you know, you, you still have a long... I mean, again, this po our podcast is called Vintage Archive. It's, we're not, we're, I'm more curious about the kind of oddballs, the kind of tangential people anyway. <laughs> oh, thank you. Not that you're, not that you're an oddball. <laughs> Sorry, I came out wrong. To me, that almost puts you in a hyper-fan situation where you're there but you're also like you're i'm sure that was exciting to be part of correct it was ex really exciting to watch them all work. right yeah and that excitement is what i want to hear from you and, and what i want to share with our guests okay we talked the other day about you had going to see little shop of horrors which is one of my favorite musicals in the world uh -huh. T tell me how that went well I, it was taking place at one of my favorite places which is the mahoning drive-in theater which is about 20 miles north of allentown pennsylvania and they're they're a retro drive-in so they show all 35 millimeter films and all older films and each weekend is a different theme and this 
that weekend was uh, Universal Monsters weekend, but then on Sunday they wanted to show Little Shop of Horror, Frank Oz's version. And so I, since I'm friends with them all and I love the place, I thought, wouldn't it be cool if I could get uh, Frank to, to record a little video intro and surprise them with it? So I asked Billy if he would ask Frank, and Frank was very happy to do it. And, um, and I was able to surprise them with like a four-minute clip of him giving little anecdotes about shooting and going to the drive-in as a kid. Can you share a little bit more about what he said, if you don't mind? We can um, attach the video later, but I'd love to just hear the gist of what he talked about. It, well, there wasn't a, a lot of time, but he talked about how he was very proud of the fact that there were only two, two like CGI shots in the film, and they were able to do the rest of it just live, with even with the puppet. And I know that they sped it up and um, then slowed it down to get the lip sync better. Yeah. But it was still shot without any um, CGI. He was very proud about that. He talked about going to see, as a kid, one of his early memories was seeing a film, Flaming Arrow, I think it was called. Okay. And he remembers them pointing this flaming arrow at the camera and letting it fly and Frank ducking in his car. <laughs> he talked about having to eliminate some of the music from the, the original uh, um, musical. Okay. Just because that's what happens when you make films. Sometimes for narrative purposes you need to eliminate things. They did record a new song for the film, um, which he mentioned. Things which like was that. that. What song was that? Green, big green mother, or something. Yeah, right, right. I forget. Yeah. <laughs> did he talk about the ending, the the original ending? Did he mention it? Do you know about that? Oh well, the one where they live, the plants live. Yeah. Yeah. Do you I, know, I know this, about do you, it? Do you know the story of it? Do you know why that why that happened? No, I don't. So I'm a, I've always been a musical fan. I saw the stage version of that at the TLA Theater when I was like 14 or 15. Oh, cool. Um, I performed I, there with an old band I was in. What band? It was called Babylon Sound, but nice. you wouldn't know it. But it was a, it was. I'm going to cool dig it up. I'm going to. Do you have any music of that? Do you have any songs no. of that back in the day? Nothing that's out now. All right. I want to yeah. dig more into your musical career in some way, even though you're probably going to say I didn't do very much. It's cool <laughs> you had a band to play at TLA. So I, I know I saw it on Broadway. I don't remember who the. You know, this is probably in '85 when uh -huh. the movie came out. I had been a huge Rick Moranis fan from SCTV, and I just, I fell right. in love with that movie. I was a very weird kid. I love like dark music and I love show tunes. It didn't make a lot of sense. I spent a trip, I guess, in, when, did, when did the movie come out? 86, 87? Something like that. The year after my family took us to Florida, I drove in a car. I spent half of the time listening to that soundtrack, the other half listening to Black Celebration from Depeche Mode. <laughs> It's almost opposite worlds. Music um, is music, though, you know? They, okay, so they, you know, they, the, the original play to me is stronger than the movie. It's a cautionary tale. It's, it's, it's an anti-capitalist story about they watch the dangers of greed. The whole story mm -hmm. is him, you know, doing all this stuff till he gets to the love of his life and the plan is slowly killing him and, you know, and in the play does kill him. And in the last scene in the play, has the big large puppet and it has all the car all the actors i've seen it this way once at least all the actors in a giant plant with their faces dead oh yeah well that was the in the original movie too yeah the roger corman movie okay so i don't that's where you can film me and i saw that once i liked it i thought it was i was surprised how how much it t seemed to tie to the musical 
being a very different kind of story. I thought it had, really had the spirit of the musical. Tell me, uh, tell me. You, I can't tell you too much about it. It's been a while, but I remember the faces in the plant. When they made, they originally made the same ending as the musical. They had everybody die. The plants take over New York. It's a much stronger anti-capitalist. It's a much stronger statement. When they when they tested it with screening audiences, yeah, people hated the ending because. And, and Frank explained this really well, because of the medium of film, they're larger, their faces are larger. Mm. You, you're closer to them because you see them big the whole time. Versus when you see theater, they're little people far away. And because wow. of the intimacy of them being large, the audience hated that they died. Um, now, now Frank will never, now I'll never I'm just, get I'm just acting in the tradition that, yeah. uh, that, that Billy does with him. They call each other asshole all the time. I mean, you know, Frank Oz is one of the funniest fucking human beings I've ever met. If you, have you ever watched the outtakes to, um, uh, the, the, the one with the, the gophers, with not the gophers, uh, Emin Otter? No. Oh There's yeah, a, I've seen Have you watched some, the outtakes yeah. of that? Yeah. That's, I don't know who the other puppeteer is. Do you know the other puppeteer? They're, I guess they're they, they're they're having a problem like something. I guess the people making you know the whatever the set they're having an issue with this. They're trying to get a drum to roll out. Oh and yeah, it wouldn't it land. Keeps, yeah, 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 yeah. And that is the funniest. I mean, him. You know that one. I mean, him off the cuff is uh, what to me is amazing. I mean, have you seen the the um, the extra on the Muppet movie where they're just driving around and making doing footage where they're in a car? You know what's really funny? Have you ever seen his? Comedy Awards acceptance speech. No. Yeah, look, it's probably on YouTube or something, but look it up. It's really funny. The his story about Jim Henson that he tells at the funeral is one of the funniest fucking stories. I knew, I know his Jim's death was so hard on him, and yet he still shows up for the funeral and he tells his story. And he, I think he cries a little bit, but like yeah, he gets a little you could, choked up. You could just tell how he's just such a good. I, I don't know. I, I, I mean. I think like any like any smart artistic person you can tell there's some you can tell there's some like i don't know cynic i don't want to call him a cynic because he's not a cynic there's a little grumpiness in him but because i think he's such a smart person that has to deal with this world of people you know i feel like a lot of artists and people are smart get shit on to a certain extent and it's, it must be hard to live like that and i feel like I feel like there's a bit of grump, you know, I feel like Bert, there's a little bit of Bert in him. Sure. But I only mean that in the there's best possible of, way. There's a little bit of him in all his characters. Yeah. Um, and I can, you know, he's super joyous as well, but I, you know, I like that he's able to play in grumpiness. I mean, to me, my experience in them, they, I, I feel like they changed the world. When you go back to Sesame Street, what they were doing, I mean, they changed my world. I mean, I learned a lot of things from them as a kid through the Sesame and Muppets that changed my life. Mm -hmm. And I feel like they really, you know, that's, I don't know, I think that might be more Jim's vision, but Frank is the perfect actor to to put that across. I mean, what I think I really loved about the Muppets especially is they got along, but they messed with each other. I mean, they probably, you're talking about they call each other assholes. They, 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 those, those guys ribbed each other, you know, oh, that's yeah. obvious. But that also is a it's a comforting thing. Do you ever see well if you see our show of uh, the Breda Brothers episode with uh, Frank and Dave Goals? Oh man, that's what they do the entire time. Right, they're they're like brothers. They they love each other will and they go at each other and all that. Will you talk really quickly about? We'll we'll plug this later too. But will you talk about some of the connections? You know, some of the people you had on your podcast. 
that were memorable or tell me about t talk about well, your podcast for a second yeah I mean, we've had pretty much you know pretty much all the performers um we've missed a couple because we didn't expect to go on hiatus uh as soon as we did but we were going to get everybody but we got them all plus a lot of really cool celebrities that um that had worked with the muppets at some point like ricky gervais and danny trejo and uh, Tom Bergeron and lots of lots of cool. People. Which one was the guy who was in Star Trek in the butts with the punk kid? You had some oh, guy. Kurt Thatcher. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, he was on a couple of times. Nice. Um, uh, well, that was it. That's. I mean, we had we, we've had lots of people. We did I think fifty three episodes. Whoa. In like ten months, and sometimes we were doing two a week. Mostly it was once a week, and most of the time we did them live so that we would have. Um, uh, people on the YouTube chat chiming in with questions and everything, which was cool. Yeah. And uh, took us a, the, part of the charm of the show was that technically we were always screwing up, and uh, it came from starting off with different technicians and moving, having to change technicians and software a couple times. You have <laughs> you have tech, you have technicians. Well, at the start we did. We had somebody helping produce it the, and I'm, some engineers. I'm, nice. And, yeah. Oh, there you but go. The, but Damn, it, it became much money. easier. It became much easier to just do it ourselves on Streamyard yeah. and bring in all the. We were spending. At, uh, Billy ended up um, after we shot the episode. Sometimes after we shot them um, not live, uh, Billy would spend hours and hours editing it so that not really editing stuff out, but he would drop in visuals, like a TV show would. But later when we got Streamyard, we found that it was easier just to bring them in live as we needed them i'm gonna it felt more you know less formal uh what else do you want to know about it we had it was really just a, a really fun conversation with these people that we yeah. we know and love and and everybody was there in the spirit of it felt like in the spirit of jim henson just yeah. it's the same thing when you visit a set or when you work on one of the Henson sets, it's unlike any. Because I worked in film and TV business for a little while before I changed careers, and uh, you know, there's a lot of cutthroat stuff going on. There's a lot of competitiveness and all that, and you don't feel that much at all on Henson sets. It feels like everybody's gotten into it because they love the spirit that Jim brought to their lives, and they want to carry that through um, when they work. Do you feel like Jim or whoever was involved kind of made people feel very much at home? I think he made them feel respected. Well, yeah, I think he did. You know, it was I'm sure it was hard for a lot of people to feel comfortable in his presence, but I think he did the best he could to get the best out of them. And he worked his ass off just to get, yeah. uh, you know, and late hours and things just to get it perfect. But I think, think they knew sorry. that they were there because he respected the kind of work that they did. Yeah. And I that know. he could trust, he could, he would let them play a little bit and trust that he was going to get something good from them if he, if they relaxed and yeah. used their natural talent. We're going to go from Frank to Jim. All right. All right. Um, I'd ask you to write some moments of Jim that were important to you. You started off with letter from Jim Henson. Uh, well, I was 14. One of my substitute teachers at school knew somebody who worked on Sesame Street, and I'd already been a fan. We, just, My cousin and I discovered Sesame Street. I guess around 1970 or so, and started trying to build our own versions of Muppets. Wow. By going to the foam and fabric store in town and getting whatever we thought we needed. And 
Uh, so anyway, I met this guy. He, his friend worked at Sesame Street, and, and I got the address, and I decided I would send Jim Henson a letter and ask him how to make Muppets. And I was kind of shocked. When, and I made this nice letterhead with characters and everything in the top corner. But I just I got a letter back from him with directions on how to make Muppets. So uh, that was... Wow. That was were, you able to, were you able to follow them and actually make them? I don't remember now. I mean, I think we were kind of getting close to what he was doing because I, we probably saw, you know, they did some, they did some sp specials, I think, on PBS back then where they were showing yeah. how to build them as well. I may have seen that. Um, I definitely saw something because we were definitely using the foam that we folded around and made a point at the top. And you were doing that. What's the what's the, the thing? It's a three a triangle, so it makes them. There's a mat. There's, you mean they always talk about the triangle. So the reason that they move, that they look, they're looking at you, is because it's a triangle. Yeah, the eyes them, are go in a little bit. Uh, yeah. There's not crossed, but they also yeah, they're a little closer than normal for most characters, I guess. Yeah, but it's I, I mean some, they, they talk about that triangle being like the I mean if you look at the Muppets, they're so they're so obviously so animated, but you know it's a it's a still thing, but because. I mean, I always feel like there's this, I, the way they move to me is like hippies dancing. There's always this little sway of the head and, it, and because of this triangle, it makes it look like they're moving back and forth a lot. Well, that triangle too Maybe I'm also wrong. gives them, it gives them a certain, it, it definitely separates them from other puppets that, that feel like puppets because it's that, um, it does something to bring the gaze that makes the gaze feel more yeah. real. My understanding of the way they worked was there, they, you guys, you all worked with a monitor system so yeah. you could see what you were performing on the TV because that helped you all do your performance. I don't they know if always, that changed. They, no, it was, it's still the same. You they had a monitor and you, and you saw the screen. Now, my understanding in the beginning of it was it was reverse. It's, well, it's, you're always working in reverse. How did, how did, how did I, I tried that twice and it makes, I can't it's, do it. How did weird, you learn? How did I you learn, learn how to work in reverse? I didn't because the the background characters I did didn't require any real talent. <laughs> uh, you know, geez. I wasn't spe I wasn't speaking or anything. You know, you just kind you of you're dancing in the background or something. Or, I know, you know enough about the Muppets to know there's a lot of synchronized movements. Didn't you still well, have yeah, to? No, not not for what I did. I would. <laughs> I, no, I mean when I did the background little... characters. Yeah. It, it was. Uh, I was visiting the set and they needed some puppeteers. So Gene put this on and just stand in the back and make him dance or something. You know, it was nothing, it didn't require any professionalism. Were you still watching the screen at that time doing no, that? No, I couldn't even see the monitors from where okay. I was. Okay, all right, yeah. well, I don't know. I, 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 don't, I don't know why they, I mean, it's an interesting way. I tried to do that and it made me dizzy. I can't, I it's, have it's, a camera. It's really hard. It takes a long time yeah. to get used to that because you are moving everything in reverse. When I say uh, doing everything in reverse, I don't mean that you're doing it everything backwards, like right, you you're walk seeing, backwards or anything. You're just seeing, like if you're your seeing character, the opposite. Yeah, you, right. If your character on your arm turns to the right, then the monitor is going to see it turning left. Getting back to Jim, you met Jim. Tell me about meeting uh -huh. Jim, what that was like, what that felt like, when, how that happened. Like I said, when I threw out Kermit, he pulled it out of the trash can. <laughs> this, is, this is after you went back in time? Yeah. Um, well, Kermit, I, was I, made, Kermit was made what year? 
Like 56, no 60, somewhere in there? I don't know. All right, sorry. I don't mean to be in the you know, spot. By the way, you know he wasn't originally a frog. Do you know that? He was just a creature, and eventually... I didn't know just, that. Yeah. I knew he was made. I knew he was the stories. He was made from his mother's coat. The well, I I met him briefly once at Sesame Street, where Billy and I worked, and where we met Brian Henson too. So, what um, work were you doing with Sesame Street at this time? Picking up cigarette butts and taking kids through the rides, and you know, it was all the, Sesame Place. Uh, not did you say Sesame Place? I hope so. I met I Sesame, Sesame Place. Street. I heard Sesame. Oh. Okay, so you worked okay. Sesame Place in Langley. Yeah, right, because we nice. lived nearby. You grew up um, around that area? Mm-hmm, in Yardley. Nice. Yeah. My mother lives in Yardley. Say oh, hello cool. her next time you're out there. Oh, I will, yeah. Um, <laughs> she's a she's a I do have curly I hair. St- I still go back there because I have family there, and I like what, to visit the old neighborhood. So you and your brother had jobs there? Was that Did you get those right. jobs because of your love of Sesame Street? No, no. It was just anybody could jump, march in there. And, you know, they we, we were there in the first couple seasons. It was open. Um, so they were just looking for young kids who were empl- to be employees. We were in our young early twenties, I guess. Did um, you ever get to like wear any costumes, or was it just cigarette no, butts? That was a whole different group. They were they had uh, professional dancers and people like that who would nice. get into the suits, which they can have that job because it was so hot. They would get out of those suits and they would just be drenched in sweat. I have too many stories about me playing mascot characters, so I understand. Okay. Yeah. So you know. Yeah. So we just we had we, our our department was called operations. So we pr- pretty much stood by the entrance of the rides and let in so many at a time and had to get them out and or else we were picking up cigarette butts or cleaning toilets. Who knows? And then Brian showed up one summer because wow. he just wanted a job and he wanted to just do something on his own and yeah so Brian Henson's first we Muppet doing. job was working at Sesame Place I wouldn't call it a Muppet job but it was you know an I mean, Anheuser-Busch job they own the place they did it it's still as that's that's did, did well, I mean on his own and he was he, he was working on Muppet projects occasionally he would go to England and stuff like that but he could have but, gotten a better job as Jim Henson's son correct well I don't think he wanted to do that he didn't want to use he didn't, he didn't want to exploit yeah. that but that's yeah. That's that shows admiration. I mean, I, I'm just saying yeah. he's he could have easily exploited that, but it's, it seems like he's a good you know not not in that yeah, ballpark. Yeah. So he we became good friends during that summer. Is and he close in age to you? He's I think he's between Billy and me. I think he's t- two years younger than me, two years older than Billy. Remind me again how old you all were when you were doing this? Early twenties. Nice. Yeah. That's amazing. And so we were, I, I had some fun time I had with Brian because I was making some stop motion animation during that summer. And he would come over and we would build some of these, the clay figures together. And one thing he did that was really, really, um, it surprised me and it was just such a generous move. He, he would go home certain weekends and uh, I told him, he asked, how are you going to shoot this? And I had no idea at the time. I just would get into projects not even knowing what the next step was because I just enjoyed the process of doing So I said, I have no idea. I'm going to have to rent a camera or something. So he came back from visiting home one day w- with his dad's 16-millimeter camera for me Holy to use. Shit. So I shot it with Jim's 16-millimeter. Was that, that the one? That he, he may have used. Who knows? Yeah, maybe he used them for some of those early experimental films. I mean, I don't didn't know. he? So I met Jim briefly there because he came to visit once. And just got to say a quick hello to him. And this, and just, just to give me a little more context, what year are we? I, I need to visualize this, is this like, a little bit. This is early uh, '90s. No, no, no. It was early '80s. 
early 80s. It was probably, it was like 80 or 81 or 82, one of those three years. Oh, and Billy met him too at Sesame Place, which was cool because he came, Billy had, was, was standing next to this Oscar the Grouch animatronic figure. And Billy saw Jim walk in the ticket gate, you know? Okay. Just like everybody else, he didn't kind of try to get through the line yeah. or anything. And Billy loved that. So Billy ran over to say hi, and Jim happened to say, do you know where the Oscar the Grouch thing is? And Billy goes, do I? Come on with me, you know? So he when met you him then. Met, when you yeah. met Jim Henson, were you, I mean, was, did, were you understanding this was a big fucking deal? Was oh, it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, that was, because remember, I had, he was you a big enough deal for me to send him a letter in 74. Did you mention that letter to him when you met him? No, I, I didn't. He was busy with people, so I just, I don't even remember what I said to him. Okay. It was just like a pleasure to meet you, da 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 yeah. And remember how I threw a permit in the trash and you took him out? Yeah. <laughs> Why didn't you credit me as a direct, as, as the creator yeah, of the Muppet Show? Yeah. Come on. So we, uh, one day, Brian was back in New York and we were going to drive up to visit him. And, um, and it wasn't until we actually parked our car in the city that we thought, Wait a minute, we're going to the Sherry Netherlands Hotel to see Brian. Could this be Jim's place? And we went up and it was Jim's place and he was there and there were six or seven other people. I don't know who they were, but he has friends over. Yeah. So we spent a little time um, there with Jim and his friends and I tried to help him figure out what a sign across Central Park said because he couldn't read it and I had trouble reading it. So that was that was the best time I had meeting him. That's amazing. Um, I know that Jim Hansen Company, or under Jim's, under Jim's advisement team, like they made a card every year for other employees. Do right. you have? Do you ever get any of the Christmas cards to oh, their employees? No. I, I do. Ha I have one. I don't know what year it's from. It's after two thousand, though. But you, you, you got one of those in your life. Yeah, but it was cool. It, it was a yeah Hansen Company card. Yeah. Yeah. Christmas card. I yeah. just think that also speaks to like the generosity of that company. Mm -hmm. Let's let's go to store. You st did some storyboards from up. Hang in there with us, space. folks. I hope I'm, I hope I'm interesting. Um, let me tie real quick while you're talking about that. Would you say, in your experience with the Muppets and creating stuff, did that influence your story, your, your storytelling, your drawing, your world? No, no it didn't. Um, Studying, I was a, I studied filmmaking at NYU, and I wanted to be a film director, and wow. that all that stuff really influenced the work I do with books. Those when are kind of like making mini movies for when me. When you say stuff, what what influenced you? What did you? What films did you see? What filmmakers did you learn about? Well, at that it was point? more about you know it was the things you could take. Oh, you know, I've I've worked in most of the arts at some point, and they all speak to each other, and you learn something from all of them that you can bring. To what you're doing in the moment. I hear that. And so, filmmaking taught me how to pace a story, how to compose a shot, how to, you know, I'm basically, as I'm making my books, I'm the director, the art director, the yeah. light designer, the editor, all that stuff happens when you, with picture books. And in, in working with this world, I guess you learn enough about collaboration to then collaborate with yourself. Is that kind of what you're pointing, well, I'm kind not, of getting to? Well, that, yeah, I mean, I am, I'm collaborating with myself. I know what you mean. But, I, you know, the, the picture book world, it is a very collaborative career, just like f the film business is. And, you know, I did learn early on. You do have one of the most important things to learn to work in any of 
the arts, unless you're a fine artist where you can paint whatever you want or sculpt whatever you want, yeah. and then hopefully get it in a gallery. Diplomacy and collaboration, learning healthy collaboration is key. Yes. And I, nobody wants to work with an asshole, so no. you have to know how to not be a temperamental artist. Yeah. And and so fortunately, I was just talking to her today. I've and it's it's rare in the book world, but I've been working with the same editor for 85% of my books with the same editor for over 20 years now. How many books have you written? Well, I've done a, a different things. I started as just an illustrator for okay. other authors and then I was writing and illustrating books and then I've also been writing books for other illustrators. So between all of those it's like 30 or something, something around the 30. Have you illustrated and written some of your stories or are you? Yeah, I've work, I'm working on my ninth one as both writer and illustrator. Nice. And you did one on Spielberg recently, right? It's coming out in October, actually, nice. October 11th. I'm really excited for that one. This, all this Muppet world, you know, influence you in some way, whether you know it or not. So I wanted to bring that in. I wanted to bring your right. story in. So let's get back honestly, to... Honestly, you know, a big influence I should just mention is that, yeah. that, and Billy's probably the same way, my brother Billy, um, that Jim Henson himself was just a big influence on on both of us. In, in what his, in what his way? character, you know, just the way he lived his life and the way he put his work in perspective and, you know, balanced his relationship with people and the work they did with all of the the less humane parts of the career, you know, and how he really tried to make some some difference uh, yeah. in it with his work and, and, and honor people at the same time. And um, honestly, like in terms of my life, I humility, tried, humility yeah. too is a big part of it. Oh yeah, and I and I mean that was very clear to me, and I I've tried to follow that model in my own life. And Mr. Really, Rogers was another. Mr. Rogers was another person who did that for me. So storyboards for Muppet, Muppets from Space. How did how did this happen? Uh, um, well, that happened just directly from you know having Billy as a brother because he I had moved back from L.A and was trying to figure out what I was going to do. This was I was starting to do some animation for Sesame Street. Nice. And and Billy just, you know, he knew what I could do, so he just recommended me as a possible storyboard artist and and so they chose me and um another guy. Brian was involved in something, correct? Yeah, he was involved. He was he was helping out um because it was very new to Tim. He had never directed Muppets before. Okay. Um so it he needed a little bit of guidance with that, um, but it was it was a cool experience. I was only there for a little over two weeks. I just um, I was there before they started shooting because we were you know making the storyboards and um, and I was there for just a few days of shooting at the start. I got nice. to see Ray Liotta do his scene. Oh yeah yeah you're right right. That's a, a great. It's a classic scene in that movie. Um, and then it's the scene where people are protesting outside of their house, um, not protesting. They were they're... waiting for the space people to come down. Right, exactly. Yeah, and the people <laughs> with dresses, aliens, and have the signs and stuff. I was there for that, and I saw them shoot a scene, the remote control scene they did with Gonzo on the lawnmower, I guess, was it? But it was just a really fun experience to be. Yeah. We shot it in in North Carolina, in Wilmington, North Carolina, wow. at the Sony Studios. And um, they were also so it's also where they shot D D Dawson's Creek. Wasn't wait wasn't he in that movie? Who didn't Dawson? I, I've seen Dawson in one Muppet thing. Oh well, they were there, so they they did a little cameo. That's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah. Right. Okay. 
Nice. There you go. Um, and it was cool. And then we had one of the best things was that uh, they put Billy and me in, in uh, this small, well, not small house, just a, a standard house, you know, for to live. But then they needed it for some other reason. So the only other place they had available was like this four-story mansion, like this McMansion thing on the on the little isle of Wrightsville Beach. And we had it to ourselves. And, and then Brian came and stayed with us for a little. And then Billy's wife, Christina, came and stayed with us. Has family parties there. They came to visit. So that, just the, uh, the offset um, stuff was fun. Let me ask you a quick question. So obviously your brother, you and your brother's relationship is very, it's a main reason you're involved with this. Are you comfortable uh -huh. sharing a little bit about you and your brother's friendship? How you grow? I mean, yeah, you know, sure. how, old, um, how far apart are you all? I'm four years older. Even though we were four years apart, we grew up doing the same stuff. Since I was older, I was kind of leading him into the projects I was doing. You know, okay. like I decide we're going to make a film and then you're going to do, you're going to act in it and you're going to hold the camera here. Consequently, we had the same interests growing up. And <laughs> <laughs> like he had a choice. Right, exactly. Well, he, you know what? I, it was a good thing I think it's because funny. he, he was such a you. natural for it, you yeah. know? And he yeah. just, he picked up, he just moved into it flawlessly. Nice. And even doing the puppet shows and stuff, he joined my cousin and me, we would do puppet shows. My aunt Kathy taught the deaf and we would go to this, her wow. school and do puppet shows and they could feel the vibrations of the speakers and we would do just, you know, pantomime to music and stuff like that. Nice. How the, that, that sounds really kind. That sounds, how did you, uh, that's, that's, that sounds awesome. Did you, did, you, then, did you get that you were doing something really kind for people in that moment? I think we, I don't remember. I think we just knew that we were having fun and, yeah. and we enjoyed the, the experience. Nice. But, but my mom and dad, they, there was never, Billy and I were raised, fortunately, without any kind of sense of competition with each other. And we just, because we were, we were always doing something, you know, we were, and to this day it feels like when, when, when whatever we're, each of us are doing it even independently. It's almost like we're doing it together still nice. because we're talking, we're sharing notes and talking about the experience. And I've, I've had so many cool experiences through him, you know, meeting really interesting people yeah. and going to different sets. And um, I mean, I, you know, I've always, the Beatles are, you know, my all time favorite band. And yes. when I went to visit them doing Muppet Treasure Island, Louise Gold was doing um, a session at Abbey Road Studios oh, for shit. some other project. And so I got to spend an afternoon in Abbey Road Studios because of oh, that. Oh, shit, man. How was that? It was amazing. It was like stepping into heaven, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So we're going back to puppets. Character design work for Henson. Okay. Um, where were we before that? Oh, We were talking about your brother, space. but I feel like we kind oh, of... Oh, okay. So here, let me tell you this about Billy. Yeah. Because um, I, can, I can't this say covers, this covers this covers proud of this covers number seven. Actually, it doesn't have a number. It's between seven and eight. Proud of Billy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it doesn't um, earn its own it's, number. We're, we enjoy each other's work, and we have a huge amount of respect for each other's talent. And we were, and that comes from our parents and our family, and you know, wanting to see the other succeed because it feels like we're sharing that success it's all part of our story yeah. as brothers you know and um one of the moments that was re that really blew me away it was one of those times where you know you're always just thinking uh, for me i'm thinking billy my brother and I, the way i know him personally right but occasionally i'll see him do something professionally where it takes me out of that box and i think 
oh my god, look at this guy. And yeah. it was when they did the Muppets at the O2 Arena okay. show, the live show. And they didn't officially videotape it, but you could see the entire show because everybody in the audience was videotaping it. Okay. And so he was performing Rolf at the piano doing I'm an Englander. I think that's what wow. it's called. And they let you see the performers during the show. So as they're... And Billy, the piano's on it to the side so that you, um, you know, so you could see Rolf and he wasn't hidden by the upright piano. So somebody's not just filming Rolf, but they're filming Billy, who's got his head turned. He was actually looking at a monitor, but it looked like he was facing the audience, which is okay. tens of thousands of people. Yeah. And so I'm watching him sing a song for like tens of thousands of people, and, and at the same time, performing Rolf flawlessly, you know? Wow. And I just thought, look what Billy's doing. He's on stage at the O2 Arena, yeah. just like Carnegie Hall, he played Carnegie Hall. And Holy he gets shit. to do these amazing things like a like a, a just a pro. As Christina, his wife, sent me a video. Somebody, you know, they finished recording the new Muppets Mayhem series. And he was like the the big honcho there and they she sent me a he gave like they they finished the last shot and so he everybody gathered around and he gave the thanks and the big thing and and I was looking at him thinking Billy's at the center of this he's he's the he's the boss guy and yeah. look how he's just engaged with these people and carrying the day and the moment you know so That's I just I love I love having yeah. those experiences these days can you tell me more about how he got involved with the Muppets like I didn't, I didn't know he performed any Muppets before his own. Like, did he, did he oh, get? Oh, he. Well, he just he studied acting at the Neighborhood Playhouse. He wanted okay. to be an actor. He still wants to be an actor. I mean, he still basically <laughs> is an actor. You know, when you say performers. actor, do you mean he wants to be a just actor? Him, no puppet. Just him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he went to the Neighborhood Playhouse in New York, and you know we knew Brian, of course. And so he moved after he graduated he got married um, not to Christina he was married once before okay. and and she also went to the neighborhood playhouse and the, together they decided to move to LA to pursue acting and this was 1990 and just as soon as they moved Jim passed away mm. so he came back for the funeral but then he was out there and Brian went, was out there with Brian's first wife actually and they were hanging out a lot together and Brian mentioned this new show that they were starting up called Dinosaurs. And Billy said, you know, I'd, you know, I'd love to, you know, do anything on the show if you need people to just sweep up and do production assistant work and all of that. And Brian knew that Billy did a really good Ralph, Ralph Cramden um, nice. impersonation. And they were kind of thinking of the father, Earl Sinclair, as kind of a Ralph Cramden kind of character. So he said, you should audition for Earl which he did and and he got the part so he was so Earl. He, usually three people were part of the, those characters because they were big suit performers so billy was inside of earl's suit and then they had someone how else big was earl very big <laughs> like his head billy's head was in earl's neck holy shit! Uh, yeah and and then they had somebody who was doing the animatronic stuff with the face and then they had somebody who added the well redubbed the voice after because during so somebody production else did the voice or did well he... they had as they were shooting it the person doing the animatronics was also providing his voice for just the for the production track and 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 there are a lot of 
people out there that will criticize, you know, when somebody takes over a character, somebody will criticize it because they didn't get the voice perfect. Ignoring the fact that they that the puppeteer is capturing the character more, right. you know, than getting the voice pitch perfect. But if you think about it, the people who created the characters, yeah. their voices would sound different today than yeah. they did originally. So what can you do? You know how hard it is not only to perform the puppet with a movement that is natural, that eyeline meets the characters, can work back in, yeah. you know, backwards, who can perform with a with a consistent character, who can ad lib in, in an entertaining way. And I don't think what I think is interesting about Jim Henson is he was so knowledgeable. I remember he toured what, for two or three years and just went to other countries and saw their. I mean, he was a oh, scholar yeah. of puppetry. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I think he's so smart to figure out the best way to present these puppets, but he could have done anything with puppetry. Yeah. Yeah. And he did, and he created certain styles of puppetry too and brought in a lot of modern technology into it. In a way that really worked. I think he was Having such a creative the mind that he got bored easily because he had such a creative mind. He just yeah. wanted to follow what was next or what, you know. He, I think he probably saw problems and was great at trying to figure out how to solve them. I think like he when wanted you... to see on screen how do I yeah. get how do I get there. Yeah. <laughs> probably wouldn't be made the same way today. No, no. All right, let's move on, um, Mr. Rogers. The, uh, Mr. Rogers is just related only because I think he invited me to visit this I I always loved him and so I wrote him a fan letter way back excuse me in probably the 80s and he wrote back which was really nice and then after I had worked with Sesame Street that's the connection yeah, yeah. I wrote and told him I wrote him again and told him what I had done and I think because I had done Sesame Street he felt like I was not some crazy guy and said, uh, if you're ever in the neighborhood, come and say hi, which was Pittsburgh. They shot in Pittsburgh. Okay. So I immediately, you know, got in touch with his people and and went out and um, spent like half a day with him while they oh, were shooting in the land of make-believe. And he's he's the person you see on the screen. He's just, uh, just the, you know, warm and oh, caring and all everything you would imagine him to be and and I and they had the land of make-believe set up at the same time so I got a little bit of everything he let me play with the King Friday and nice. uh, I met some of the other performers like Lady Aberlin and and um, but anyway so that was my day with Mr. Rogers have you seen a documentary about him yeah oh sure and That's the Tom so- Hanks one and you don't you, people don't realize until they see the documentary what it, what kind of courage Mr. Rogers had and, yeah. you know, and even showing up in front of Congress to get yeah, um, that's amazing. To get funding for PBS and and you talked yeah. about character and Jim. Like, let me ask you a question: Where, the, where are there similarities between those both people's character? Do you yeah, see that? What, what, how so. would you compare? I mean, how would you compare know, those? What do you see? Do you see similarities, differences? I don't know how to compare them. I can just say though, like something. What I was common about both of them? Well, what I liked about Mr. Rogers was that. Like I, what I took from him is that I don't feel in all at all inhibited about doing something kind. You know, it doesn't. You know, it could at different time periods. You know, behaving like Mr. Rogers could be thought of as, you know, uh, something he could be made fun of. He's not afraid to tell people he loves them and do the kindest things for people. Um, I and that takes courage. Yeah. 
to to behave that way and to just to do pure goodness uh takes a lot of courage because yeah. it could be because you could become the focal point of a lot of taunting and yeah. teasing yeah and have so, you experienced that in your own life if, if, if the taunting and teasing no but i the, the but sharing I, of kindness where it went bad yeah i do i do that often I make a point of it. I know you. I know you've teased a lot of people. I mean, we've talked. Oh, about Oh, for this, sure. Right? But that's always kind. <laughs> well, that's always in you know. That's with people that know yeah. I where yeah, my yeah. real heart is. Right, because if you can if you can tease somebody and they they laugh and they're not insulted by it, yeah. it's a reflection of the fact that your relationship is deep enough to where it's not going to hurt to say something that you know that's usually if you saw it on the written paper. It would seem like an insult, yeah. but when you hear it from the person that you know loves you, it's just a way of saying, "Hey, we're all human, and you can dig at me as much as I'm digging at you." I have a close friend. I won't say his name, but um, we're very, very close to the point where we can have these knockdown, dragout fights over the phone um, because we just were we give each other permission to be as honest as possible. Even if in the moment we say something really ugly that we will apologize for later, we know that's where it's coming from. That it's like a weak moment, yeah. And you can put it away, and then yeah. you're good the next day. Yeah. Um, we're gonna we're gonna call today. Um, I'm, I'm gonna yeah. stop recording, but I want to talk to you for a second. Wait, but only thank two hours? We can keep going. <laughs> no, it's all right. Don't we need to say goodbye or anything? Uh, yes. One, two, three. Goodbye. goodbye. I'm going to keep this simple, as I say every time, and then talk for three and a half hours. Um, I just want to thank, every, thank everybody. I mean, this is, you know, this is a year. Uh, 52 episodes. We did more than that, but we're only counting certain ones. Um, yeah, I just, I don't know. I can't even begin to thank people because it's like a long list, and I just did this the other day. But I will make sure to get in touch with you and thank you personally because this has been a treat everybody who's ever liked a post on the page everyone who's ever listened really uh you know this is a i was thinking about what this is for me and uh as much as it's other people's stories it's more of other people's stories than myself than my own but it still is my story as told through all these people and things so it's interesting to look at it like that but really it's you know the, the people whose stories have influenced me and made me want to do everything I'm doing. So it's really a tribute to them. All right. Thank you. And on to next week. We